When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. It's your Tuesday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. Douglas Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. We plow ahead. We asked our tech subscribers what we should talk about. So we're going to talk about what they said we should talk about. And we're also going to talk about the actual things they said to talk about. So it's meta, right? Being John Malkovich, it's the story within the story, right? The orchid thief, right? Like we're, I'd love the story. I like the story within the story. Maybe some flashback sequences will appear on this episode of Buckeye Talk. Um, we have a big Wednesday pod coming that we we might work in. Like we feel we feel like we should do a a, a morning podcast, morning the loss of the fall football season, but they morning with a U. Morning with you. Morning has broke. Yeah, not that. You can listen to it any time of the day. I'm a little reluctant to do it on like the 0.2% chance that something changes and we have fall football. Like we're doing a lot of tech subscriber stuff. We have, we've gained a lot of tech subscribers in the past week, but I'm trying not to be a hundred percent definitive on anything because the way things have unfolded, I think anything could happen. I don't think they're going to reverse their decision, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But I feel like I don't want to mourn the end of Ohio State's fall season until we're like a thousand percent sure that there's not going to be one. I'm a little gun shy on like all of the possible content that I could be creating right now. And I was, I've been this whole time, like all along this time, every time something seemed like positive and something seemed like like good momentum towards there being football this fall, you always had to couch it as like, but there's no chance that there there's a chance that none of this happens and blah, blah, blah. And now I feel like it's the opposite. Even if I don't know when we're ever going to get like true finality about this, I suppose sometime later this month, we'll almost have to, there will, you will hit a time, right. Where you can't realistically do football at the end of this calendar year. But also at some point, I understand this is all, I'm not going to say it's just noise, but with everybody basically having a response to the decision at some point, Kevin Warren and the big 10 have to come out and say something. Even if it's as simple as, we understand you're upset, but we're not playing this fall. So that's what I want to get to. We're going to start off with our advice, friendly advice for Kevin Warren. Dear Kevin, this is what you should do. But I want to go, I want to start with what Penn State Athletic Director Sandy Barber said on a Tuesday afternoon Zoom call with reporters. We were not on it because we don't cover Penn State. 
But I'm reading the tweets of the national reporters, Adam Rittenberg of ESPN, Nicole Auerbach of The Athletic, Ralph Russo of the AP, who are tweeting out what she said. And I thought there were three main things that she said that were important. This is Ralph Russo's tweet. Uh, Sandy Barber, on whether the Big Ten's decision to postpone fall sports could be reversed. She said, to paraphrase, chancellors and presidents made the decision based on science and recommendations of medical experts. Quote, I don't see that changing. So that's, that's not quite no. It's very close to no. But Stephen, I don't know, she's, she's not the commissioner, but that's, that's no, right? I mean, if, there, if you're a fan listening to this holding out the slimmest of slim hopes, that's as close to no as you can get without saying no. It's not going to be reversed. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, that's, it's a no at this point. And I think they, at this point they would just literally have to come out and say the words, no, there's not going to be a season. If you don't want to you know, speak in code, I guess. The thing that I, that I, and uh, I don't mind talking about other media because uh, you know, we know other media talk about us because they're so jealous of Buckeye talk, man. Can you imagine the sniping behind our backs as the Buckeye talk? world expands the bigger we get the bigger the target on our backs i don't love how some of the coverage of the parents and the justin fields petition has gone because i think it's interesting i think it's important for people to be heard but i do feel like there's been a little bit of a TikTok. And you guys listen to this, know this. Justin Fields put out a petition on Sunday. Hey, sign my petition. We want to play in the fall. And it has like 200,000 some online signatures. But there's been some kind of TikTok from some people of like, now it's this many. Now it's this many. Now it's this many. And I've had people ask on the tech subscription, what's like the number of signatures needed to like get the Big Ten's attention? And I've said, there's no number. This is not going to do anything. Exactly. Exactly. And the parents, when we talked to, and you guys listened to it, when we had the podcast that we put out Sunday evening with Monica Johnson and G. Scott, they kind of know that they're not going to get the decision reversed. They just want to be heard. They want an explanation. But I do think it's disingenuous the way some media are covering it. Like, uh uh-oh, if Justin Fields gets to this number, then, I don't know, Nathan, do do you agree with that, that there's... It's not exactly specific that media are saying that, but it feels like they're, they're leaning, they're kind of like letting it bubble a little bit, like that the number is not just interesting, because I think the number is interesting, but I feel like some of them are saying the number is important, and I don't think the number is important. I don't think it is either. And I, I, I mean, I think the, the initiative is important. I just don't think that you're like you're saying that there's not a magic number you can get to that changes what's going on here. Um, I, I thought G Scott said it well, I can't remember the exact wording, but it was, it was paraphrasing what I think we were saying ahead of this when we were kind of argue why the big 10 should, should slow its role a little bit here is that you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube or what was his horse back in the cart or can't, can't unring a bell. Hair unring a bell. I knew it was one of those. <laughs> it was one of those cliches. But it's it. He's right. I mean, and and I don't know what you can do. I th- I was the one who was skeptical when there was a big social media push. You know, guys saying stuff on social media in the days leading up to these decisions. And I was um, maybe a little bit jaded as to what impact that really was going to make. And people thought, well, maybe those that on Monday of last week that had made a difference and then we saw on Tuesday that it had made pretty much no difference and I feel like it's just so easy for people in 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 
positions of uh, power, for lack of a better term, to acknowledge your voice when it's when it's something hollow like that. It's just out there on social media. It doesn't have anything attached to it. And it's probably even easier for them to acknowledge, okay, I saw that you got 300,000 signatures that anybody can just go on and check a box and sign. Like it, it, there's, it doesn't have a substance behind it. And until the athletes have that seat at the table, that's not going to happen. Now, is this a, another well-publicized step that gets people towards that, that, that ch- changes public sentiment to the point that that starts to happen? Maybe. I don't know. I've talked about that too. It's kind of incremental. But I, I, don't know, like, I don't know what Justin Fields' petition in terms of the signatures it draws can, can actually change. So let me ask think- you. Th- let me ask you this, though, Stephen. The mm-hmm. Justin Fields tweeted out the petition. Ryan yeah. Day on Tuesday retweeted his tweet and said, "I'm so proud of Justin Fields." Then mm-hmm. Gene Smith retweeted Ryan Day's tweet and said, "I'm so proud of Ryan Day." And again, you see the unity around Ohio State football. This is not at all a reflection on Justin Fields. It's a reflection on this is all they can do. You can only get petitions there's no other way to go but Nathan brought up like public sentiment do you think there's any and public sentiment to me is not you know parent sentiment player sentiment coach sentiment those are your stakeholders right those are the people that are affected every day now you know people in the stands and watching on tv that matters a lot to the big 10 too but they're not directly involved do you think public sentiment matters at all to Kevin Warren or the big 10 president's as they look at this, not maybe not even in would they change their mind, but do you think they don't like it? Do they think they, they are worried that there's a lot of Big Ten fans signing this petition and also just saying, like, man, the Big Ten screwed this up? Yes, just because he's only nine months into this job, and it just seems like he's already lost a fan base. And obviously, I mean, when sports come back, people are going to still watch Big Ten football and Big Ten basketball and everything else. But, yeah, this is – when you're starting something new, you don't want to start off on a negative note. You want to – first impressions are everything, and I think this was his first opportunity to really show, you know, himself as a commissioner, and he handled it the worst possible way you could handle it. And so now that's the perception people have. I mean, we've read the text that people have sent us and then whatever else is out there in the world. I think perception does, does matter a little bit in the sense of you don't want to start things off where people already don't think you're good at your – they're already, you know – I don't want to say not good at your job, but already are thinking negative of you. You haven't even been on the job for a year yet. But why? But why, why does it care about fans? Fans hate everybody. Fans hate umpires. Fans hate coaches. Fans didn't like Jim Delaney. Fans thought Jim Delaney, who ran the Big Ten with an iron fist for three decades, was like a snooty blowhard. He You're didn't right. care. <laughs> why, I, I'm asking, why does Kevin – Kevin Warren has a thousand things to worry about. In my opinion, I don't think like – Fans being mad because, listen, this is so difficult anyway. You're going to make somebody mad, right? I just don't know that – I don't know that fans thinking he's doing a bad job is very high on his list of concerns. I don't think – you're, if it was just fans who were upset with this decision, then yes. But the fact that it's fans plus everybody else is what no. makes it – Yeah, but the plus is the only thing – in my opinion, only the plus matters because I said – I mean, I said at the start. You know, fans pay the bills, technically. So, you know, they, but they're not going to – is anyone going to stop watching football because Kevin yeah. Warren screwed up the PR and decision-making process around COVID-19? That's the thing. I just don't want people to get false hope based on, hey, the fans told Kevin oh, Warren yeah, he's stunk. I just don't – I mean, listen, people tell me I stink. Do I change? No, I lean in more. 
on who I am. If you tell me, Doug, you suck, I'm going to go harder on being Doug. So Kevin Warren is going to be less decisive, more evasive. Kevin, you be you, Kevin Warren. Nathan, do you, you brought up the idea of public sentiment. Stephen thinks it does have maybe some effect. I think it basically has zero effect. You are where exactly on what fans think and how it might influence Kevin Warren. Well, the public sentiment side of it is, I think the public is reading, to, kind of to, to follow Stephen's point, I think the public is reading a little bit what players are saying, what to some extent other administrators at some of these colleges are saying, and the parents are saying, because they would be getting their information from the coaches who would be getting their information from the administrators. And I think if that information isn't flowing, if, if the players and parents, uh, you go back and listen to Monica Johnson and G. Scott, who talked how for months and months and months, Ryan Day and the Ohio State organization, uh, football organization kept them up to date up to breast on every single topic that was going along with COVID-19 there was regular meetings they kept them in the loop on a lot of different topics and now all of a sudden the most important topic everybody's just kind of shrugging their shoulders and I think that's where the conduit of information is is bad I don't think the, the, the information has even flowed from within the Big Ten itself and, and to some extent I don't I'm still not sure how much of that goes on Kevin Warren, I know because he's the commissioner, that's an easy target. But this is still an organization that I think at the end of the day, this decision falls on the shoulders of presidents, chancellors, et cetera. And a lot of them are also not talking to the media right now. People, again, are taking shots at Kevin Warren. But I've seen, I don't know that I've seen hardly any Big Ten presidents and chancellors who've come out on the record and talked about what went on in that call and, and, and characterized why this decision was made with more specificity than the Big Ten has already put out. So let me go back real quick, and I want to get to that PR aspect of it and our advice for Kevin Warren. But covering what Sandy Barber, the Penn State AD, said, said, she said, number one, they're not going to change their mind. Number two, she thinks a schedule will be out in about a week. A schedule will be out in about a week. And the other thing she said is she's not sure there was a vote. She's not sure the president's actually voted. And Landis, like, tweeted, like, a cartoon gif of, like, somebody, a koala bear throwing a bomb somewhere and then walking away. Like, thanks, Sandy. That's Kevin's, like... Thanks, Sandy. So, uh, and then the the Minnesota president, um, a Minnesota reporter had retweeted the news about that and said the Minnesota president said a similar thing a couple days ago. And my point on that is you can talk about a thing and you don't have to have a secret ballot. You don't have to make everybody raise their hand to come to some kind of consensus. Tim Brando, who's a college football guy, had reported he heard that it was 8-6, the final vote. We know that it had been reported previously that it was 12-2 on the initial vote that wasn't a vote. I've heard more like three or four schools voted against cancellation. But again, I, I mean, I don't know for sure that there was a vote, vote, vote. So we'll get, but I want to talk the, the idea of getting the, so, well, let me ask this. How bad's that? Is that bad? Like, there's so much discussion about the vote. If it turns out there wasn't exactly a vote, but they kind of just talked about it, and then Kevin Warren said, all right, all right, we're canceling, right, after the big discussion. Is that that worse than if they had an actual vote? Here's the thing. I I hate to be Mr. Nuance all the time, which is by the way the worst superhero name of all time. Um, But I think to follow up on what you were just saying, I think sometimes if you're – there's guys like me and all of us, but especially me <laughs> with this job, who's, who sends a lot of these like public record requests to schools and is trying to get 
documentation of things that happen at meetings like this. Even though it's a Big Ten meeting, I think if it's done by a public university, I think you should be able to request that if there are records kept. And if somebody at one of these schools takes down the vote, that's probably something that you could uh, request. If they do it in a more vague way, if they just realize that in the room there's way too much uh, thought that there shouldn't be a season, then I think they can call it without having that formal vote. I don't know necessarily what that formal vote. I know that you think it's it's like pinning people down on the record and then they have to answer for it. But if that vote never becomes public, you've not pinned anybody down. I think it's all about context of what you mean by no vote. If the no vote just means they talked it out until everybody just agreed on what the decision needs to be, that there, there's no need for a vote then. It's just... Okay, yeah. you came in with this mindset, I came in with this mindset, I presented my case, you presented your case. And at the end of the day, we all agreed to one decision. Then, yeah, there's no vote, but, I mean, everybody did talk it out. So it just depends on the context of what the conversation in that room actually was. I think people who want a punching bag are going to hear that, and they're going to say, well, that means Kevin Warren just came in and said, well, we're just not yeah. playing. And I think that would be a dangerous uh, thing to I, jump I, to. I, th I don't think that's the right characterization. People don't want a punching bag. They want answers. This is not like people are overreacting. The Big Ten has botched the rollout of this decision, which is different than botching the decision. They might both have been botched. I don't know that anybody could argue that they have handled the last week very well. And it's not like we're looking to criticize. I mean, and, and people have pointed this out. National reporters have pointed this out. The Pac-12 is not getting this kind of blowback. So uh, I don't think it's... I don't think it's people looking for a punching bag. It's very reasonable questions on how did you decide it? What went into it? Can we talk about it? And can you talk to your stakeholders about what went into it? I wanted to, I want to get to the Sandy Barber schedule thing real quick before we get to the more, more Kevin and Warren advice. So she said a schedule will be out in about a week. We know Kevin, uh, Ryan day said a week ago when we talked to him, I guess it was last Wednesday that's when he started the January push. He said, I want this decision in weeks, not months. We got to get this figured out. If it's like two weeks from the end of the cancellation to here's our plan for what winter slash spring football would look like, I think that's pretty good. It's not as good as having a plan like coupled with the cancellation, but that's not – that's okay to me. So I do think that's a big deal. The SWAC, which is an FCS level, FCS level conference, they on Tuesday unveiled their plan. For spring football, it is going to be six conference games, and then they also may schedule a non-conference game. They are starting on February 27th. They are concluding with a conference championship game on May 1st. So we've seen some schools go to this. The SWAC is a very different conference in the Big Ten. But, Stephen, when you see somebody say, okay, we're not just talking – we're making concrete plans. Does that make you believe any more to a greater degree that, yeah, this, this, whether it's January or March or whatever the big 10 decides this spring winter thing actually might be possible. It's viable. And as I said, when we first brought this up, I just needed to see progress towards it. I, I was never in doubt that it could happen. I think it, Ryan day is right though. They need to get on this in weeks and not months. So if the schedule is supposed to come out these in the next week or so, then yes, fine. It is viable for the Big Ten to do this. I think part of the reason the Pac-12 isn't getting as much blowback is, yes, they, they postponed, but they also have at least a date of everything's postponed until January 1st. Now, that might change, but at least there's some type of date people can hold on to. While with the Big Ten, it was just everything's postponed. And it kind of left you with, okay, why is everything postponed, but then what's next? 
Well, they say, you, by that you mean they have postponed even like basketball season, non-conference Correct. games. There, there is not going to be a Pac-12 athletic event mm-hmm. in the rest of the 2020 calendar year. Correct. So that was more specific. I think it's more about the way they rolled out their medical information and the way people have talked about it since. But plans help. Plans do help. Specifics help. Even in a time, even saying – we can't give you specifics. Here's specifically why we can't give you specifics, right? I mean, if he had had yeah. some kind of news conference, the idea, and I know, I know da- people gave Dave Rebson from the Big Ten Network a lot of credit for the way he pushed Kevin Warren last week. When the only time you've really talked to anybody, and I think he talked to Pete Thamel and maybe a couple other people afterward, but when your only public interview is on your, your network, you know, I mean, like that's, yeah. that's not the real thing. And we're getting like stuff from texters like, when will you will you push Kevin? It's like, hey, I mean, yes. If I ever in my life talk to Kevin Warren, I'm going to push the heck out of him. I I don't think he's coming on Buckeye Talk anytime soon because he's in a bunker right now. So let's get to our advice for Kevin Warren. And we have a lot. We said to our texters, what should we talk about? And we got some great responses. And like, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the stuff they said, like. Wednesday, we might talk about it Thursday. There's so many good answers, but the Kevin Warren stuff is still front and center. From the 312, um, I like to hear, we said, like, what should we talk about? They said, I like to hear about fighting back from the 312, like the parents and the players fighting back. Articles that expose and attack the Big Ten decision and corresponding process are good. From the 859, uh, do you guys believe this is a political move by Kevin Warren? Which I, I don't. I'm curious what we think a political move would mean in this context. And from the six, they didn't further explain what they mean by that. No, from the six one five, hoping Kevin Warren will make a statement that you can analyze Uh, and a question. And from the four one nine, definitely want the latest on people fighting back. Unfortunately, whatever happens, there won't be a fall season. Most likely this is not looking good for the big 10. However, and Warren is not helping his cause by being silent. What and how quickly do you expect to hear from Warren and the big 10 commissioners, big 10 presidents? So that's the issue. That's where I really want to go. What should Kevin Warren do next, Nathan? If you were Kevin Warren, if you were his consigliere, if you were saying they are losing the PR battle right now, there is no doubt about that. So what should he do next? Um, I think my, my smart ass answer is there's a lot of good engineering programs in this in the big 10 um, go find one of them that can invent you a time machine, take you back to when you're making the decision and then just do what I think everyone thought the sensible decision was and just delay the decision. That's what Ohio state voted for. It's what some of the other schools it sounds like voted for. I don't think that the finality had to be, uh, had to be voted on at that moment or, or decided at that moment. It's kind of what we've been saying all along. And I think you said it the most eloquently. You can't give an absolute yes you can only give an absolute no and you can't walk back that absolute no. So I think that was the, the, still the biggest mistake. Now, if, if there is finality, if you are like, look, we've looked at the data, we've talked to medical experts, we've tried to talk angles around them and they keep coming back with us and it just can't happen. Then you've got to be more specific. You've got to be more transparent and forthcoming with the exact medical data that led you that go look at what the pac 12 put out now it was still vague in some ways it didn't say myocarditis specifically it talked about you know um, uh, pulmonary or cardiac issues with COVID-19 there were some things that it didn't give full specificity but there was enough there that you could see like real thought had been put into the science of it and on the big 10 side it was just so much more vague 
and so much less transparent. And I think that at the end of the day is what's rubbing people the wrong way, that there had been all this science that they had been following on a daily basis. All the, these players had, had changed their lives to follow all these rules on a daily basis to do what they were supposed to do. And again, I'm not saying that it, it ultimately was going to prove to be safe, but if you're telling us on them, whoever, on the first week of August, that it's definitely unsafe and cannot go forward, then you've got to just be more specific, more detailed with the reasons why you're doing something that cannot be taken back. Steven Means, you're up. You are the yeah. PR consultant for the Big Ten. Go. More transparency. We need to know what happened in that room, period. However the decision was made, whether it was a vote, whether it was they just talked out and came to a decision, or if it was just everybody said their piece and Kevin Warren decided for the room, we need to know exactly what happened in that room. That's where he starts. But also, at this point, you have to acknowledge the players and the coaches at these schools. Even if it's as simple as, I understand you're upset, but this is the decision we came to. A lot to happen. The petition, what the players did the night before, uh, the decision came out, what the coaches are doing at all these schools, what athletic directors are saying. You just have to acknowledge that there are a lot of people who are very upset with the decision you make, and they're trying everything they can to try to reverse that decision, even if they do know in the bottom of their heart that nothing can change. But it starts with, we need to know exactly how this decision came to be and who was on what side. But I don't know that, that that's his position to reveal because he doesn't work independently, right? I mean, he is still essentially, just like any commissioner is in a professional sport, at the end of the day, you are kind of a spokesperson in a lot of ways for the ownership, and in this case, for the member schools. And I feel like it's – I don't know how much I put it on him to come out and say, hey, I had my hands were tied because Northwestern and Rutgers and Illinois wanted to cancel football. You are I don't do, think he's going to throw people under the bus like that. You're doing a good job as his PR guy, Nathan. You yeah, keep saying, not, you keep making again, excuses for him. I'm, I'm, I'm. All I'm saying is, like, I, my read on the way that this. Are you? Do you think I'm wrong? I mean, I don't know. He's do a really commissioner. Think, he's a right. commissioner. He's supposed right. to take the heat. He's supposed to yeah, find a consensus. He's the he commissioner. might be. So he's supposed to take the heat, but I don't think it's realistic to expect him to come out and throw the schools who were the he most adamant say, for voting for this under the bus. I don't think that's he, a realistic. No, I agree. But he, but he can say whether or not there was an actual vote or people just came to a conclusion. And he doesn't, and if, if there was an actual vote, he can just say what the numbers, what the vote were. He doesn't have to say Northwestern and Purdue voted this way while Illinois and Ohio State voted. He can come out and say of the 14 schools, it was an eight to six vote or something like that. He didn't have to say specifically who voted what, though. But, there, you know, we do need some type of data of what happened in the room. So here's what I would do. And I've considered of going in and going into crisis communication, right? I've handled, I've covered some crises here at Ohio State. I would make it very public that over, what day is it? Sorry, I was just imagining you like as the uh, negotiator called in at like an active shooter situation. (laughs) Oh, no, (laughs) no, 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 no. I I would not be good. You're talking about corporate crisis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Never mind, go ahead. I'm not good actually in the crisis. I'm good at yelling everyone at everyone after the crisis. Oh, right? okay. Yeah. I would be like the crisis happened. The crisis is over. Now I, on behalf of the person that the crisis happened to, I would get up and explain why the media is a bunch of idiots. Right? Would that wouldn't that be helpful? We always like that when someone explains why we're idiots. So here's my, here's what I would do. I would very publicly say on Tuesday. I am holding seven 90-minute Zoom calls with players and parents uh, from every team in the East starting at 8 a.m. until we get through them all. And on Wednesday, I'm holding seven 90-minute Zoom calls with players and parents each from each 
of the seven programs in the West. Then on Thursday, we're going to have a, I'm going to have a uh, live stream where Big Ten, it'll be on the Big Ten network, but it'll be a Zoom call where reporters from around the Big Ten network can ask questions. And we're also going to have medical experts come on and explain exactly what our thinking was. And then on Friday, I would come back with a final speech where he offers me a culpas about the, the handling of this and where he very much makes the point that this is difficult, but their priorities are the safety and health of the players that they are responsible for and that they know people aren't happy and they know they screwed it up, but they will do better going forward. They will have a concrete plan for a winter slash spring football season next week. They will put every bit of energy into making that as safe and as real as possible. They will learn from these mistakes and they will, I would own that every day, I would own every day of the next four days that the media couldn't write about anything other than here's what the Big Ten did today. Here's what the Big Ten did today. Here's what the Big Ten did today. Because when you listen to Monica Johnson and G. Scott, they don't, they don't want to be pandered to. They just want someone to talk to them. And I want to write about this. I didn't get a chance to finish it for Monday. But what I really want to write from G and, and Monica and just my observation of things is the idea that people feel like their sons did everything right and they still don't get to play and that that's not fair. And I get that feeling, but there's a lot about COVID-19 that's not fair, but you need someone to tell those people, yes, you, your sons, Monica Johnson says she's taken three COVID tests to go visit Paris. Your sons have done everything right. Your families have done everything right. Your coaches have done everything right. Your maintenance staff has done everything right. And it still wasn't enough. This is not your fault. But we can't do it. But they need to hear that. People need to hear that. There's a lot of people out there who have locked themselves in their house for the last six months and have given up a lot. And, and other people who haven't given up as much. And, so, some, and it's not fair. And we're still all suffering. But, man, it, they deserve to have that explained to them. So, listen, man, Kev, what's up? I'm here. I'm here. I'm cheap. You got to own the next week. Own this week starting Tuesday. And, and I think you could get it back a little bit because in, it's not like Nathan and Steven. It's not like in the end, there's zero reason for voting to cancel, right? I mean, that I think right. is what has been lost a little bit in this discussion. There are sports columnists. There are doctors. There are medical professionals. There are people who are out there defending the Big Ten while the Big Ten is not defending itself. So we screwed up we screwed up the communication of the process and even we made the Zoom meeting probably could have gone better. But what we don't regret is a decision that puts the safety and the health of our athletes first. That we well, will never regret. And you've got to get that message out. Well, and they kind of already said that in the announcement they put out. Remember, I think the wording was Warren said um, this was, I, I believe this is from the Big Ten statement where they said this was a difficult decision to make, but not a hard decision to make, something like that. So I'm sorry, but that, that I don't want to read it on a statement. I don't want to read it. Has anyone absorbed it? No, you got to talk, man. Statements. Well, he did an interview right after that, too. I don't know. With don't his know own he network. The exact same thing. I didn't watch it. Okay. I, I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. Um, I guess the other thing I would say, too, is. Um, I actually lost my train of thought because you started making those fart noises. 
Oh, the other thing I was going to say, the other thing to remember here is too, um, and this is not making it, a, it's, it's not a defensive warrant, it's just, or the Big Ten, it's just one of those bad timing things still. What is it that's really putting the Big Ten in the bad position in terms of the esteem of the fans and, and the, the parents right now, and even the players, from things that Justin Fields has said, it's that there's three other conferences that haven't canceled. And I think if, if they had made their decisions at a different timing, that, that is also a thing that has framed the Big Ten decision differently right now. I would also maybe go not quite on the attack, but everybody is assuming, I think a lot of people are, oper- are operating under the assumption, at least a lot of the vocal people, that the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 are right right now. Right. That having not canceled yet is right. I would, I would start raising questions of why are you so sure, so sure that's the right idea mm-hmm. and start making your point. Maybe that's not fair, but every man for himself. I want to ask this very specific question from the 513 of you, Stephen, because I think it's a very interesting component of this that many people on text and around the country have brought up. I have somewhat of a journalism ethics question. Would it be ethical to ask Mike Leach about Kevin Warren, given that Warren's son is on the team? I would love to hear Mike Leach rail against Kevin Warren, but I would feel bad for his son. So Mike Leach is, I get him confused. Mike Leach is at Mississippi State. Yes. Kiffin's at Old Miss. Mike Leach is at Mississippi State and Kevin Warren's son plays for Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Would it be fair, Mike Leach, who's a, who clearly is very conservative in his politics, and I am a thousand percent sure and safe in saying that he is in favor of playing football this fall. I have no yeah. doubt about that. Um, would that be a fair question to ask him and to put the Warren family in that situation, Stephen? <sighs> yes, I think so. Um, you feel like you feel like I'm a journalism professor about to grade your answer, Mr. Means. Yeah, I would you? And you're like, am I going to get an F or an yeah. A from this guy? I, I uh, think, this guy. Yeah, I do actually. I do think the way you have to almost word that question is: Do you feel comfortable? Uh, something along the lines of: Do you feel comfortable playing a kid when you know that kid's parents aren't comfortable, you know, making that same decision for anybody else's kid? Basically, something along those lines. But yeah, it's a fair question to ask because. I mean, quite frankly, unless his son sits out this year, the, the overall message is I don't feel comfortable with your kids playing, but I do feel comfortable with my kid playing. I just – man, I, I just – I don't like the way that's been characterized with, with Kevin Warren. I know I sound like this big <laughs> Kevin not, Warren apologist. Right, it's, it's not but fair, it's, it's not, but – He's not unilaterally making that decision. If the, if the, if the presidents and chancellors in the SEC – if the presidents and chancellors, chancellors in the SEC vote – to keep playing football or keep trying to play football right now, then his son can go out there. But if the chancellors and presidents in the big 10 vote to stop playing bass, to stop playing football, then that's what happens. And I, I, again, I know Kevin Warren's the spokesperson for that. I know he's the organizing person for that, but he's not unilaterally deciding all of you have to stop playing football and my son gets to play. That is a, that is not a correct way to look at this. That's a t- Right. It's not that simple, but he can pull his son off the field. If he wants to, he can go to his son and say, Hey, I don't feel comfortable. Well, maybe that should tell us something about what Kevin Warren actually thinks about the way things are right now. But again, to go back to the overriding point, then there's more communication that he should be putting out there that maybe explains some of that. I think that's a valid question to ask of him, but he's not talking to anybody about it. I, I think Dave Revson did ask him about that. I can't no, he did. He just, he, I mean, he danced around and basically didn't answer the question. But, right. but I mean, it's Which not, is, whether, whether it's fair or not that he takes the hit or not is not – I mean, he's a commissioner, so he's going to take the hit. I do think, I think Nathan, uh, I know where you're coming from. I think 
to characterize Kevin Warren as like along for the ride on this is not, I don't think that's right. I think the conference, a conference commissioner has more power than that, not to overrule a vote, but to influence a vote for sure. And so I, I do not think that Kevin Warren is just trying to like navigate something that he doesn't actually agree with or whatever. I, 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 it's, it's, he's the president, man. It's not a parliamentary system where the legislature has all the power. I mean, I think this, yes, all commissioners work at the pleasure of owners slash presidents, but I, I think he has more influence in this um, than maybe the way that you are describing it at the moment. I think He's that's probably true. And I, I think, think that's probably true most of the time, but in the face of a pandemic, I think this is just very unique circumstances. I think the presidents are going to make a more declarative statement and be much more involved in, in the finality of a decision like this regarding athletics than they normally would be. I think it would be fair to ask Mike Leach because Kevin Warren hasn't answered it effectively. And this is right. the thing that, that always comes up when there's an issue with a player, something happens with the player and a, and a sports information director or a coach will say, well, you can't talk to that player. And the result is that we end up asking everybody else on the team about that player. And it's not fair to those players. That player has to be, in, be able to answer for, him, to him, for himself because we're not going to not ask the question. So Kevin, Kevin Warren needs to address this issue. And if he's not going to answer it better than he did when he gave a non-answer the day it happened, then Michael, then we have to ask Mike Leach, right? And, th- and that's on Kevin Warren. A lot of this is on Kevin Warren because he hasn't explained it better than he has. Um, let's do this. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We have some people have some bracket ideas about what we should do uh, going forward on the podcast. We have, so I, I want to get into a little bit of recruiting talk, a little bit of basketball talk. We got to get off Kevin Warren a little bit, uh, but we're going to keep discussing what we should discuss on Buckeye Talk. All right, back on Buckeye Talk, Stephen. Off the top, the there was another bit of news on Monday afternoon about when we might know more about the college basketball season. What was that? Yeah, basically, it's hey, we're going to have a plan by the mid mid September because the season starts November tenth. Ohio State is supposed to start their season on the eleventh against Oakland. They want to have some type of plan released out to the public by midway through September. I know Mark Emmert has said he's not a, he's kind of endorsed what the NBA is doing as far as a bubble situation, which might be a little more reasonable with basketball because it's just less people that you have to worry about. It's 15 players and what, seven coaches instead of a hundred and something players and 20, co- 20 people on a coaching staff. So he's endorsed that idea. But yeah, the, the plan is to have some type of plan out by September, which I think some of that is they've seen how maybe the Big Ten has kind of handled some things, and so they want to, you know, get things rolling as quickly as possible just in case they do need to push back from that initial November 10th date. We want to acknowledge the question from the 614, what does all this mean for basketball this upcoming year? When can they start practice? How far out are they pushing the season? So we, we do want to keep our eye on it. it we're obviously laser-focused on what's going on with football, but we do realize that, that basketball is the next step with this. So we want to make sure that we're, we're dealing with that. And to be um, fair, over the summer, they were doing things as normal, just like the football team was until some things had to get pulled back. But for the most part, things have been pretty normal. All right. I want to, this is a, a specific question I want to get into. It's from our guy Chip in the 724. I'd like to hear a podcast discussion on the idea of the Big Ten fracturing and six schools going rogue. 
Ohio State, Penn State, Iowa, Nebraska, and Michigan's head coaches have publicly declared their desire to play this fall, and Jeff Brom at Purdue has articulated a spring season plan. How about if these six teams form an alliance, play their own home-and-home home series for 10 games, then the top two teams will play in a conference championship game? With this idea, those programs who want to opt out can do so, and those who want to opt in can do so too. He, he explains a little bit more, Chip does, but um, that had been suggested in the Big Ten parents, the Ohio State parents letter of like, mm-hmm. let, let, let programs decide, and if programs want to opt out, that's fine. Nathan, does that, is there any part of that that sounds reasonable to you that you just absolutely leave it up to the individual schools and then you patch together a big 10 schedule based on which schools decide to play. I understand why that sounds reasonable. I think that at that point, I I don't know the specificities. I know there is some reporting out there as to the, um, the, the contractual obligations that these schools have to each other, to, to the conference itself. Um, There may just be legal reasons why it's not a non-starter in a lot of people's eyes. I think the, the, the wide concept makes sense. But as we know, when you get to the finer details of these sort of legalities, I think that's probably what trips up those but, sorts But of why are there legalities? Those have come up when they're, if you're playing like independent schedules or playing in a different conference. When people were saying Nebraska is going to go join the Big 12. If it's just half the, half the league playing only Big 10 games against themselves, isn't that yeah. different? I guess that, that I, I, like I said, I think it makes plausible sense. I just don't know. I think anytime you go do that, I don't know what the ramifications are for the future of the conference. I think those things do sort of reverberate. I think they do sort of linger in, in, in people's minds as to, you know, you went out and found a way to, um, and I, I don't know, I guess it should be up to each individual school, but I just, I think we know <laughs> that there's resentment that's going to be, that's going to happen there. And I don't know if it's a, if it's something they want to push for the sake of one season, as opposed to having stability in the future. I don't think yeah. I agree with that. I don't, I don't know what the this is because if it's still technically a big 10 only schedule, I don't really know what the ramifications are. It's just simply, Hey, do you want to play? No. Okay, cool. Do you want to play? Oh, you do. All right, come on. You want to play? Cool. cool. It's just that, but it's not like Ohio state and Penn state are going to go ask Utah and Oregon to be a no, part of a conference. It's focus still on big the big 10. 10. We're talking yeah, big 10. That's what I'm saying. It's still just a big 10 schedule. It's just, if you want to play, you can play. And if you don't, you can go home. So you like it or don't like it? I like it. I don't like it. Everybody wants to do whatever they want to do, but in, when you're in a group, sometimes you don't get to do whatever you want to do all the time. So I, I don't know why that concept is difficult, and you're either in a group or you're not in a group. So the group decided, and the group decided not to play. So you can't, and it's, it's easier to you can't force someone to do something, but you can force someone to not do something. So if the league voted, we're playing, and Team X said, we're out. We're just, we're out. That's different than the league voted not to play, and now a couple teams are trying to say, but we're in, but we're in. So I, I just don't think that's not, I mean, to pretend that that's how the world works, that you're part of a group, but then you don't have to abide by the decisions of the group, I think is crazy. And I do think there would be more long-term harm. And, and I get it. I get, but like the, if those six schools can't sway, because that's the other thing. Then you have to say, if you thought that was a thing, you, you present it as we're playing, but these four teams opt out. 
you can't present it as we're not playing, but now these six teams are going to opt in. Mm. There's, a, there's an actual difference there. And like the ship has sailed on that idea. So if you would have said, listen, we all are trying to play as a conference leadership group. We want to try to play, but we respect the decisions of individual schools that in their specific situation, they can't do it, but that's not what they did. That's not what they did. Now, would that have, is that an ideal world where if the vote was 8-6 or whatever, whatever imaginary vote there was, everybody who voted no, we're not stopping as a conference, but everybody who voted no, you opt out. You have to present it that way from the start. But to stop and then opt in is different. And I also am not against a conference making a decision. I, I, I was talking about this today. We're not supposed to work in our office still, right? Is that correct? We don't. We're, we all work. We're all working. We never do. But yeah, I mean, we don't. But technically, I mean, technically, no. We're not supposed to work there. But we can go in there if we need, obviously, equipment and stuff. But if I said I just want to drive to Cleveland and I'm working in the office every oh, day. Oh no, no, I'll do that. But why? I want to do what I want to do. Why does my boss? Why does my employer get to determine what I do? It's my right to choose what I want to do. I want to go to work and sit in my office chair. Do we have desks at that office? Everybody shares desks. You've only been there like twice. Yeah. But like that's you just pick you, a desk. That's not I mean to pretend it's not a it's one of the pure libertarian society where everybody just does whatever they want to do. And it's not beholden to any decisions of people that they are associated with or decisions above them. So like I, I understand people talking about it, but I don't understand people like being insistent upon it. That, that like, what's your rationale in this? My rationale is I should be able to do what I want to do. That's yeah. not how the world actually functions. So I mean, I've, I've actually seen that in my social media responses where people are like, it's not enough that Ohio State voted no. What they actually had to say was, screw you, and we're going to go do anything we want to do, and there's nothing you can do to stop us. And that's just not a mature way of looking at the world. So I want to read a couple suggestions from people just talking about how we're supposed to uh, do this. Um, someone said, I want to hear more on the history of Ohio state, not just from the OSU perspective, but also how Ohio state has been perceived nationally. I'd like to see a deep dive on the full history of the program. Um, they also would want a deep dive into Ryan day's offensive scheme or the defensive scheme. If that was two of the five weekly pods, it would be wonderful. Even if those were just two of the 20 or so a month. So some historical stuff as we try to figure out what we're going to do. But they also said, well, I'm happy to hear about what the players and parents are advocating for and hear their perspective. If it's not actually moving the ball or when playing happens, it gets boring pretty fast. It's interesting to keep up to date, but not like a ton to analyze, which I think is a good point. We want to get their voices out there and what they think is interesting. But if it's not going to have an actual effect, and I'm not sure it does, we don't have to do it every single minute of every single day from the three, three Oh, I feel for you guys. I hope this doesn't affect anyone's employment status. We're fine. Thank you. We appreciate you guys thinking about us though. I'm staying on the text for now, but I can't listen to six plus hours of weekly podcasts when the next football game is likely 12 months away. I will be interested to listen when there is college football news, recruiting news, big 10 news or actual Ohio state news, but I don't want to listen through five weekly episodes to get to that stuff. Sorry, just being realistic. You can't manufacture interesting content about a sport that isn't happening. Challenge accepted. That's exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's like, is that a dare? We've been doing it for us? six months. We can do it some more. So we have a lot of um, suggestions about brackets that we should do. And I will tell you before the next podcast, I will get out the next voting on the chain restaurant bracket. 
I had been teasing the brackets. We talked too long about actual stuff. I'll reveal on the Wednesday pod some other brackets we could consider. But some people like the brackets. Not everybody likes the brackets. But we are. We only have four games that we voted on so far in the chain restaurant bracket. And that will change soon. Uh, people saying they still want us to talk about football from the 502. Still talk about football. Silence will only make it worse. So I think that is some people were – I got some response of like, listen, man, the football talk is just like reminding me that we're not going to have it. So I don't want football talk. And then some people did push back against that from the 937. Doug, I want the football talk. Give it to me straight and dirty. Um, so I appreciate that. And I wanted to mention this because we're just having such good texture interaction. This is Anthony in the 502. Keep going as you have been with the comprehensive coverage. I kind of get the sense that people have been trying to limit social media activity lately. So you guys are often serving as a lifeline for current events where the Buckeyes are involved. You don't have to wade through Twitter to get the stuff. You just get it straight from us. 14-day free trial. Again, the numbers keep going up. 614-350-3315. Let's do a little bit of recruiting talk before we get out of here. We'll get into the brackets and other suggestions. I only got through half of the texters. I said, what should we do? What should we talk about? Texters exploded. It exploded with suggestions, which is great for us and is going to be great for listeners here. I want to talk a little bit about recruiting. Steven, Tristan Lee, the guy that became a priority on the offensive line once J.C. Latham decommitted. From the 859, I'd like to hear your opinions on how this cancellation affects recruiting. Like the guys on the fence like Tristan Lee and also will we see more decommitments? I saw a report that Tristan Lee is, is looking at Oklahoma pretty hard this week. I double-checked his crystal ball. I, a lot of them are old. Nobody's picking him to go to Ohio State. There's still a lot of, ring, a lot of lingering Clemson stuff there. Yeah. It felt like for a moment, maybe it's just because we come at it from an Ohio State perspective, it felt like for a moment maybe there was some momentum for Tristan Lee, who's a top 25 national recruited offensive tackle in the class of 2021. I don't know that it feels that way anymore. What do you think? I don't think much has changed. I mean, he put out his top four schools, and he, he's adamant about getting on some of these campuses. We'll see you know, Bennett Christian from 2022. He just took it upon himself and just came to Columbus and walked around the campus. Obviously, the coaches couldn't be involved in that. I think some players might take that idea up and just go to some, school, go to some schools and walk around as if they're just a normal human being and see what they want to see to the level that they can see it. But I don't think much has changed here. He wanted to make a decision before the school year started, but he can't do that because he hasn't been to some of these schools yet. And so it looks like he's going to wait till the All-American game to make a decision the way we see some school, some recruits do it. But I don't see – there hasn't been an updated crystal ball since May, so I don't necessarily think there's momentum anywhere right now. I think he just – there are things he wants to do and wants to see if he's going to be able to do it before he makes a decision. Caleb Williams, that excellent quarterback from mm-hmm. the DMV area, committed to Oklahoma. Tristan Lee is from Virginia – I read some suggestion that that maybe maybe Caleb Williams is on him. Do you, do you think uh, again? It, it doesn't feel like Oklahoma was was at the top of his yeah. finalists, and now they're just making a little noise. Do you think that could have any influence? I think Oklahoma locking in a quarterback. I mean, it, it looks like they're going every other year with trying to get a high level quarterback. They got Spencer Rattler two years ago. Now they got him, and now he's doing his job recruiting. Because even Emeka Ibuka, you saw a crystal ball flip towards Oklahoma's favor the moment that Caleb Williams joined that class. So I think some of this is just kind of similar to when Travion Henderson joined the Ohio State class. You saw a highly ranked five-star kid commit somewhere, 
And obviously, great players want to play with great players. So you saw some attention go that way. Whether that swings in Oklahoma's favor and they can land two of those kids, then I mean, we'll see. But I just think some of that is just the number one quarterback in the country committed somewhere and guys who are affected by where great quarterbacks go are now paying attention a little bit more. We do have a question about Emicus specifically from the 330. Do you guys think that the that Ohio State can still land Emica without any more visits this year? Um, I, we had talked about before the fact that he's in Washington, that the Pac-12 mm-hmm. has also canceled. That doesn't put Ohio State behind Washington. But if Oklahoma's dancing around with him now, does it get more difficult for Ohio State in that recruitment? I do. Of Sometimes not being able to get on campus can help a school, and sometimes it can hurt a school. I think with Emeka, the longer we go with this dead period, he's unable to get back here with his full family and everybody can see what's going on here. I think the more it probably hurts Ohio State. I'm wondering if this is something that coaches and ADs brought up to their presidents as a reason to potentially delay the vote as long as possible, too. Just like why just let us why declare it now? Just let right. Yeah. I mean, those if if there's some tight battles with with just even a few prospects, why why give up those couple three weeks that you have against the teams that you're competing with? Yeah, especially now because coaches' hands are kind of tied. It's they're sitting around on Zoom calls because they can't go on visits. They're not necessarily preparing for a season, so you're really just sitting around. I mean, you're doing the recruiting because recruiting never stops, but there, there's no advantage right now that you can go, okay, there's no season, so we can focus on doing this now, or there's a dead period, so we can focus just on playing football. All right. We'll talk about brackets on Wednesday. We'll talk about football. We'll talk about recruiting. We'll talk about the latest of what's going on. You never know when something's going to pop up. This Sandy Barber uh, Penn State AD call on Monday was interesting, right? I mean, it was interesting. It was a little bit eye-opening. We're Kevin Warren is not going to throw open the doors. Do you got, I mean, like my, my big 10 plan to lay it out this week. Would you do that if you were the big 10 or was that, was that too much? Zoom calls with every school, every player and parent, a Kevin Warren news conference. Then I like Kevin the idea Warren's of Zoom calls with the players because that's the players and parents because that's who needs that information the most. Even if you necessarily don't come out public with it for a few more weeks, I think initially doing it with the people who's, you know, who need to hear that information the most. I, I like that idea. I think the first priority right now, even, even above PR um, repair, is coming up with the spring, winter plan, whatever it is. I think that has to be the number one thing. If you can come up with that, lay that out, and then do the media follow-up where you can have your media couples or whatever, and even your, your parents and players' follow-ups, then if the decision is not going to change – Put out that plan, give them that kind of answer, and then maybe follow up with these other things that you're talking about. But I think some PR reparation is important, but they need answers on this other thing too, the future thing, not just the past thing. And I want to bring this up. It's for everybody who lasted until the end. I want to look into this. We know Kevin Warren is new. We know Ohio State's in transition. Another five Of the other 13 Big Ten presidents or chancellors, five of them have been on the job a year or less. Two others started July 1st this year. One started January 1st this year. Another started last August and another started last July. The fact that it was a Zoom call, it couldn't be in person, and that when you add in Christina Johnson and Kevin Warren, seven of the 15 decision makers are that new to the process. I sent that out to our tech subscribers, and they immediately pushed back with, it doesn't matter. You're hired to run a university. It's not an excuse. I'm not saying it's an excuse. I'm saying if this is scattered – if, this, if there's confusion about whether there was a vote or not, 
everybody gets better at their job the longer you do it. And there aren't the personal relationships between some of the people. And then when you sit in a room, you get to know somebody. You can sway somebody off to the side when you're getting coffee. You can pigeonhole someone and say, hey, listen, I know you're thinking this, but blah, 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 blah. You can't do that on a Zoom and you don't have the relationships established. I wonder, I wonder, and I want to find out more about it. I wonder if that could have played any role in the Big Ten kind of mucking this up so far. Come back on Wednesday. will be another great Buckeye talk. Make sure you listen to the ones over the weekend. The Sunday pod, G. Scott, Monica Johnson. The Saturday pod, Deontay Lee, a film guy breaking down the Ohio State defense. And of course, the Monday pod that just went up. A great breakdown by us of talking about the playoffs that might have been. For now, thanks to you guys for listening to Buckeye Talk. For Stephen and Nathan, I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>